0: the Breaking Barriers podcast, your weekly conversation about changing the narrative for boys and
1: young men of color in Buffalo, New York. Here's your host, Daniel Robertson.
0: Hello, hello, welcome to the Breaking Barriers podcast. I am your host, Daniel Robertson. Uh, We have a special episode here today. I'm joined by uh, four young men of color that are doing some great work in the city of Buffalo. Today's uh, conversation is gonna be dedicated to uh, just talking about a a great program that we have in Buffalo that's dedicated to uh, helping dads be more engaging fathers. And we're also going to have a a very in-depth conversation just about fatherhood and the duties and responsibility that we as as men have to be present in the lives of our children. Uh, So without further ado, let's go around and do some introductions. Eric, how about we start with you and just uh, kind of give us your name uh, and tell us about the work that you do.
2: My name is Eric Maldonado. I work for Say Yes Buffalo. I'm the compliance and family support specialist supervisor. It's a fancy long term for um, child welfare. So I supervise a group of folks that work in the schools and they work on behalf of families to make sure children are not being abused or neglected. You know, make sure that they're they're able to hit their targets educationally on time. One of the things that I do on the side is I'm a facilitator and um, marketing Yeah, very, very involved person with uh, Nurturing Fathers program, which we'll talk a little bit
0: more about. All right, looking forward to the conversation.
3: Thank you. I am uh, Tommy McClam, I am the director of Boys Men of Color uh, Initiative for Say Yes Buffalo. And uh, I'm just excited to be here working with uh, young men of color in uh, this community, ages 12 to uh, 24. And uh, also uh, working with the leadership council of uh, young men that meet uh, regularly. And so just excited to be here today.
0: Shout out to Breaking Barriers. Let's go. I'm
1: Antoine Johnson, Fatherhood Coordinator with Buffalo Prenatal Perinatal Network uh, and also Coordinator with the Nurture and Fathers Program.
4: Welcome Antoine. Uh, Sherman Webb Middlebrooks, uh, founder of the One Initiative, which stands for We're Improving Now which is an organization of one that's focused on capturing and amplifying youth and community voice in the city of Buffalo with a particular emphasis on youth of color. I'm also one of the facilitators of the Nurturing Fathers Program and one of the um, mentors with Breaking Barriers as well, so I'm here in a number of capacities.
0: My oh, man Sherman, shout out to the Win Initiative. That's right. I know you're gonna uh, make sure you find a way to squeeze that in there a couple oh, of times yeah. today. So before we dive in, I just gonna want to kind of highlight that the Nurturing Fathers Program, Breaking Barriers, these uh, initiatives. And I'm not gonna look, let me back up and, and check myself. These movements are um, they happen because of the partnerships and relationships that yes has within the community. So. Um, Antoine, we know you're over at
1: Buffalo Prenatal. Buffalo Prenatal, so,
0: and uh, Eric, you're over <laughs> at Say Yes. But you guys uh, have come together to actually tag team the Nurturing Fathers Program. So I'd like to kick it over to you guys to jumpstart the conversation. And I know Sherman is in, involved as one of the facilitators, and Tommy, you're actually also involved too because you sit on the Nurturing Fathers Task Force. Uh, so Eric or Antoine, you guys want to just kind of tell us about the program?
1: Yeah. So. I found out about the program back in 2017 uh, after attending a program called the Fatherhood Connection, which was uh, founded by Reggie Cox out of Rochester, New York. So after going through that training, I was uh, a little later hired at Buffalo Prenatal where I became the fatherhood coordinator and then had an opportunity to partner with some folks from CES uh, to start the Nurturing Fathers program. I'll let Eric speak a little bit more about it.
2: Um, yes, thank you, Antoine. I think uh, one of the... The more important things that we need to talk about, um, with regard to all this, is just the fact that there are so many fathers absent, right? So, this vacuum of um, seventeen million children being raised in a home without their fathers, their biological fathers present, across the nation creates, you know, for us some some urgency, right? So, here in Western New York, looking at those numbers, and that bears out. Like I said earlier, I work in child welfare, and I can tell you that ninety percent of our cases don't have dad living at home um so major our, problem big problem big time um so carol mauer you know used her contacts she's a previous commissioner of social services Used her contacts to bring mr reggie cox down from rochester to do this one-time training for our staff so our staff can see um, that it's possible to engage dads and that we should be engaging dad it shouldn't be you know mama's baby daddy's maybe the whole scenario is mom's dads and the child together, whether or not they're living together and supporting each other. Um, They have to co-parent. So long story short, um, we actually started working on not just training our staff, but seeing what can we do locally to keep this going. Right? Because it can't just it can't just live within one organization. So um, one of the things we did early on is you know try to encourage other organizations to partner with us or to go out on their own and and seek funding. I think one of the best things we could have done was to work with Luann Brown, the executive director of Buffalo prenatal perinatal network um, and and work on her behalf and help her to secure a grant through the O'Shai Foundation because that's that's where all of this started. Mm-hmm. Um, so once we had a couple of couple of groups trained and underway, um, then it became a matter of you know how do we how do we keep this going long term? How do we sustain it? So um, after that, we were able to bring in bring in other facilitators like Sherman Webb, um, and some guys in the community, Mike McKnight, Terry Say. So um, I, I mean it's it's a blessing really, to be able to work with other organizations on a goal like this because it is
0: so important. That's amazing, Eric. And I, I just want to highlight again, partnership is at the cornerstone of what Say Yes is all about. And just shout out to all of those individuals that you mentioned. Big shout out to the O'Shai Foundation, uh, first class of Oshai Scholar right here back in '98. Just had to throw that out there. There you go. Um, now, Sherman, you tend to, uh, you tend to co-facilitate the uh, the sessions uh, when nurturing fathers uh, actually takes place. Uh, so, can you just talk about what actually happens during that
4: time? Yeah, absolutely. So um, when we bring the dads together, it's, it's usually like we ha- we have our PowerPoint, which is usually no more than ten slides, because you know folks don't want to be inundated with information. We want to actually create um, a safe and nurturing space. And beyond creating what we like to you know call a safe space, we want to create a brave space um, where the brothers can um, talk about things that they don't normally get a chance to talk about. Like I said, in a safe and structured environment where the conversation is facilitated uh, by brothers who can relate. Like a lot of the things that we focus on have to deal with reflecting um, on like our own childhoods and the impacts of. Uh, having our fathers there or not having our fathers there and the impacts of other male role models in our lives. One of the philosophies we preach constantly is keep toss at where we're constantly um, just advising the brothers to really reflect on things that may have worked in their lives and um, what's working currently with their kids now and how they can grow on that. So keep keeping those things present, tossing the things that have been um not beneficial to them, and then seeing what new things they can kind of add into their repertoire. So it's really focused on growth and development, and it kind of functions as a quasi support group for the dads too as
0: well. Nice. So these sessions they actually take place a couple times throughout the year. Can Antoine or uh, Eric? Can you kind of give some shed some light on uh, when they occur, how
1: they occur? Sure. So so typically we've been running groups uh, twice in the fall, twice in the spring, right? Uh, and so uh, we usually do them during a the weekday. <clears throat> Either we've, we've done one on a Tuesday. I think we have one on Monday and Tuesday right now, but we usually run them from about six to eight o'clock in the evening. We try to uh, have it around a time that's accommodating for working parents and things of that nature so they're not inconvenienced uh, by having to do something during the day.
0: So if, say if I, I was a dad, right? Want to be, become more engaged uh, with my son, daughter, children. What would I expect when I walk into one of these sessions?
1: Yeah, so I'll I'll talk a little bit, and then let one of the other guys jump in. But I I think you you would expect to be empowered. Um, One of the things that that we try to do is, uh, like Sherman said, create a safe space uh but then you know really come from a a strength-based approach where we're looking at things that you already do well and uh just building on those things so that you feel confident when you leave right even if you have things going on in your life which a lot of our dads do a lot of them are uh you know going through custody battles in court or some of them don't have access to their children Um, but we try to make them feel confident when they're leaving so not only do they want to come back but when they're in the community they're not looking down on themselves
0: Big ups. Right. Eric, did you want to chime in there? I know you attend yeah, a create, sometimes.
2: Yeah, so um, one of the big things that we want to do is make sure that they feel that there's a, a connection to the community. So Antoine is good about bringing in other community-based organizations that provide a certain type of service so that the fathers can see that there are other resources out there, right? So, for example, yesterday we had Help Me Grow come in and, and present so Danielle Galensky and, and Gerald they came in and they talked about developmental stages and how to um, how to get down on the floor and actually play with your child and encourage them and praise them. So um, they hear this this kind of thing from us but it's good for them to hear it from other agencies as well and just gives them an opportunity to have more exposure so that they know what other resources are out there in the community. So for example, um, a lot of them didn't know that Say Yes has free legal clinics in five five areas around the city that they can access, right? I needed so, those a couple of years ago. There's quite a few men who so would be able it. to use that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so, um, so, like I said, Antoine's very good about scheduling those and making sure that, that it fits in time with what it is that we're talking about for the day. So, yesterday would have been our mock play session. So, it was a great opportunity for Help Me Grow to come in and show them, you know, with blocks and, and toys and going through certain activities, um, how they can actually interact with their child more effectively and get them to learn more.
4: One of the other things um, that we do in terms of facilitation and our facilitation style is um we're not really uh preaching at the fathers or at the or at the 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 men who come to the program um and it's not really focused on like harping on some of the negativity negativity that's surrounded around fatherhood. Um, And also our our philosophy really is more so like popular education where everybody is teaching and everybody is learning. So us as facilitators, we aren't necessarily standing up there claiming to be experts per se. Um, We're just there to hold space and facilitate the dialogue and make sure that the information Um, gets across to the brothers in a way that they can uh, interpret it for themselves. So that's another thing that we really try to focus on where, for the most part, when we facilitate, we're not, like, standing up lecturing. We're usually sitting down um, in a circle or in a U-shape where everybody can see each other and we share a meal with each other. So it's really like creating that sort of, like, um, family and community environment where we can build a brotherhood with each other too so that way they can feel that there's a level of support uh, for them in the community once the 13 weeks are over
0: nice tommy i want to loop you into the conversation um you said on the uh, the, the nurturing fathers uh, task force can you so can you can you talk about what your role is in that space and i'm thinking about an event that uh that task force actually helped to put together at the beginning of the year so can you kind of talk about the, the impact that that had
3: uh, i think you're referring to take your uh, child to school take it yeah and so what well, we uh, they're part of the task force but i'll kind of tell you a little bit how i got involved in the task force that uh uh, Eric uh, had came and kind of asked me if I would uh, kind of be a part of it, and uh, they were doing the initial, the initial class over uh, in the Langville area. And so, uh, I, in my mind, I had made up my mind that I was going to go in, dip in let Eric see me and then okay dip out and I was kind of done because it was on a Thursday evening and I was like you know it was tired and but so I work all day yeah you work so it was kind of like okay yes yeah, and
0: we know you're growing
3: Eric and deuces and I'm out all right but I actually went in and, and when I sat there I got in, just uh, intrigued by what was going on in the room and, and to see so many young men from the community actually come in and then to see the number of young men who just was looking for a way. It was looking for a way on how, how I want to be a father, and I think so often we forget that we're asking young young men to be something that they never had, and so they try they're trying to figure out at the same time. And I saw that, and then I saw some older gentlemen there in the room, and I just saw a bond that took place. And uh, I went in there for one; I was going to dip in for five minutes, end up being there for 13 weeks. Yeah. So and, and so through that, that's how we came across doing uh, some of the initiatives we were doing, especially at the schools where we had uh, uh and I don't remember the number number of schools we actually had Eric what, that we had.
2: 11 schools participated yeah. last yeah. year over
3: so dads. 11, 11 schools and over 500 dads actually showed up and brought their child to school that day and just to see the uh the excitement on the dad's face and also the children's face just to be sitting in a, in cafeterias and eating breakfast with their dads it, it it showed the impact that a father could just have on just a school day for a young person because they felt better about themselves just starting that day. So it's, it doesn't, a lot of times it's not large things, sometimes just those small things, and those small things can impact young people for, for, for a lifetime.
0: I can personally attest to it because I actually tabled at my daughter's school that day, and uh, she actually had a chance to walk up to the room that I was in, and her face just completely lit up when she saw me in her school and she saw dad at work, in a sense. So, um, that's my own personal tidbit you know, on that on that on that day. Uh, we got a lot of stories from that from that one event. And that's that's the kind of thing we need to
2: continue to capitalize on is use that positive energy. I mean, one gentleman went up to um family support specialist at Southside Elementary and said, "You know, this is the first time that my two young stepdaughters call me dad, call me daddy." And that was a huge mo- moment for him. The guy was almost in tears. So I mean, that's that's impactful when you have relationships that are cemented that are, you know, uh, made stronger through events like this. You know, and I know that's a dad that's going to stay involved.
4: The other thing, too, is when I had a chance to speak with the dads in the cafeteria and we had, uh, oh, my gosh, over a uh, 100 folks packed in that cafeteria it was standing room and they had to open up the doors to... Uh, you know, get some airflow in there. Get some air. Was, yeah, it was late <laughs> summer, all those folks in there. We had to get some air circulation. Um, but when I had a chance to to speak to the to the men in the room. When um, I acknowledge the fact that um, fatherhood and, and manhood it doesn't just have to do with like your biological children, when I spoke um, and acknowledged the the stepdads in the room, um, I can kind of see the the men who may be in the role of a stepdad kind of you know straighten up a little bit, right, poke their chest, the chest out a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> when I mentioned um the grandfathers who were there, the big brothers who were there, the, the uncles who were there, some of the coaches who may be there, some of the teachers who may be filling in. Um, it just it just allows folks to feel like um, what they're doing is recognized, even though they're, they're not doing it necessarily for the recognition, um, but it is still nice to be recognized and appreciated. So I think that that's important too, that we begin to normalize celebrating um, the men who, who step up, especially into roles that um, biologically aren't their responsibilities. That's right.
0: So Eric, you said something, you mentioned this word energy and You know sometimes we all struggle with creating this energy right um how do we as as men who are involved heavily involved in their children's lives how do we start to create more spaces and more dialogue around the importance of fathers being involved in the lives of not just their children, but children in the community. Where do we start?
2: I I don't know that I I would have an answer for that. I mean, um, what we're doing now is great. Um, I just think we have to do more of it and maybe think about how we're lining things up so that one thing naturally flows into another. Um, So one of the things that we've been talking about Um, that I'd like to see happen for the fall is that we actually have this Dads Take Your Child to School Day event happen, but then have all those other activities that we're collecting data on you know in terms of the father's interest to immediately plug them into those things so for example the nurturing fathers is something that one of the guys or a few of the guys are interested in boom we should be able to tell them right away at you know you're done here but next week we have this class kicking off in the east side we have this class kicking off in the north side we have this class kicking off right here around the corner from this school um and if if that particular school has a need for chaperones and you got dads who have checked that box, then they should immediately be plugged into that school, you know, so that they can work, work with the students there, work with the, with the administration there. I mean, anytime that a man says, one of these gentlemen say, I want to be involved, man, use the interest that they have and get them involved. Um, we don't have to create new events and we just got to, open up the resources that are available for their particular interests.
3: I know, what do you think, Tommy? Uh, for me, as you said, I was just thinking that uh, in the question you asked, where do we start, I think it starts uh, where you are. I think for the dads who are out there, that, that, that where you are, you try and become a better dad. If, you, if you're, uh, you know, you're, let's say you don't even know how to be one, you go to classes and you figure it out. But for dads, but I think most of us, there's a lot we do know already. And so I think we just start doing doing what we do know. And uh, it doesn't take much to walk to the park with your child. It doesn't take much to uh, read a book to your child. It doesn't take much. Those things we already know. So we can actually, in in a term I like to say, is father up or man up and just go ahead and do it. Instead of uh, sometimes we're waiting for someone else to come do it or the Calvary to come and do it for us. There's no Calvary coming. We are are the Calvary. Tommy,
0: I'm gonna push back real quick. Antoine, I see you grabbing the mic. Hold on one second. (laughs) So Tommy, you said a word, fear um it's hard you and I have had this conversation a a couple times and you know we talk about how just this sense of fear of failure right so how do we eradicate that for men so they actually do start to step into these spaces
3: I don't know if you'll ever be able to eradicate it because failure is just part of life and you just have to know that uh that I may fail but you know I'm not out of the game it's like we can do it in every other area. We play. We all play sports, and we miss a ju- we miss a J, or, 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 or we don't do it. We miss a layup. What we do, we don't quit the game because we miss a layup, uh, and we're not fearful of trying again. I think the same. We have to do the same thing in everything else we do in life, especially with our children, is that we give it a we give it a try. And sometimes when we don't do maybe a hundred percent, we we figure out how to get better. Just as we do when we don't hit the jump shot, then we go out and we practice a little harder. I think the same thing has to happen with, uh, working with with fathering our children. When we don't do it right, let's figure out how to do it right.
0: What do you say to a young man whose fear is because of the relationships or experiences that he had coming up without his father?
3: I tell you, it's, uh, you're going deep places, but I'll go in with you. Uh, <laughs> is that I think a young man would have to be willing to say, and this kind of amazes me, is that as men we know what we need and what we want. We even see other men that have what we want, but we're fearful to ask them to give me what you have. And I think we're at a place where, uh, especially as a father, if there's some things I don't know about fatherhood, I need to find that guy who I see in my neighborhood, in my community, at my job, who I think is a, good, a decent father, and ask him, how do you do some things? And begin to train some kind of self, self-motivated self training. And if you can't find it there, then find a class like, like the uh, Nurturing Fathers in order to figure out how to do it. So you're talking about asking for a mentor, right? yeah it, it comes asking for a mentor actually being uh, being vulnerable enough to go and ask someone and for us, it's like men we' we're, we're scared of somebody saying no and to be able to go and ask no, but but I care so much about my child, I'm gonna do whatever it takes, even if it means a couple of nos. To figure out what I can do to be the best father I can be.
0: So I'm surrounded by a bunch of dads. So Eric, you know, questions coming, right? And Sherman, you too. So how, my kids are all older,
2: though, man. I, I know, know I but you know. still had it. I already made a ton of mistakes. I don't know that I could <laughs> take a whole lot of
0: them back. <laughs> but you, you still got to this point. You're still, you're still a dad. And you're still working on, you know, building those relationships and maintain those relationships. So how did you two, Sherman and Eric, how did you two actually, you know, navigate the the sometimes rocky waters of fatherhood and manhood and just doing what a man is supposed to do for the kids
2: my kids i have seven right just to get that on the table they're all adults seven ages 30 27, 24, 23, 22, 21. Um, I might have said six there, but there's seven. And and the oldest is 30, the youngest is 21. And what I can tell you is that, Tommy's absolutely right, there's gonna be some times when you make a mistake and you just fall, you gotta fall on that sword, you know what I mean? Like there's no, if you make a mistake, you own it, you tell the child, you tell your child if they're old enough to understand even better, you can say, look, you know what, I was upset, I was really, um, I was really bothered by your behavior, your action, whatever the issue is, and then say this is how we should have handled it, right? So you can correct and you can ask their forgiveness, right? Um, other times, when you do something right, you'll know because they're smiling. When you do something <laughs> wrong, you'll know, right? Because they're they're gonna let you know in their own way, and sometimes it doesn't come out right away. What I found out recently is with my older children is they'll tell me now you know, where I did really well and where I did not so well, right? Um, so, and that just gives us an opportunity to talk about, well, how's it gonna look for your, your kids? Because my youngest has made me a, grand, a grandfather three times over, so he has a lot to say to me, and I say to him, okay, so what did you learn, and what are you gonna do differently, you know? So it goes back to that keep, ta- keep toss ad that we were talking about earlier. What I did right, you keep. What I did wrong, you toss. What are you going to add? How are you going to improve? So sometimes you do have to humble yourself a little bit and,
4: Why home you know, and
2: pie? that's right. Uh-huh. And ask your own child to forgive you.
4: Yeah, I, I definitely think um, having humility to start with as a parent um, is, is the right move. Just for the simple fact that, like, when they brought my baby home, I didn't bring her home with it like an instruction manual. I'm not sure if y'all did, but I mine's didn't they come. They lost with, mine. Yeah, didn't come with an instruction manual or a receipt. So it was like this is what it is, you know, this is so you got to figure it out from here. So
3: I had mine on the A track.
0: <laughs> come on, Tommy, you have to show your age now.
4: So like as I'm as I'm making mistakes, like as a parent, um I'm I'm always like Humbling myself enough to even apologize to my child. she will be two. Or well, she will be three actually um, in July. She's two now um, So even though like sometimes she doesn't understand and she looks at me confused. Um, she's starting to get to the point where like um, She she knows like when I'm being sincere and I'm trying to like explain like a situation to her um, where like she can get her, her emotions Under control, because the last thing I want is for her to like be emotionally unstable. Like the goal for your child to even refer back to what Brother Tommy was just talking about. Um, as far as like you you want the best for your child, you want your child to always succeed. Um, You want your child to be a winner, right? I want my child to win and in order for her to win in the game of life that means her being um, really um, emotionally well adjusted and being able to adapt to situations and environments without being thrown for a loop. So if something that I do causes her to be, become sort of like emotionally unstable or sort of upset then it's up to me to explain to her what, why, and how so that way she's not growing up hard and resentment, like most childs, like most children do, um, when their parents aren't transparent and don't communicate with them because they feel like their parents are lying to them or hiding something from them, um, and it doesn't necessarily help them become productive uh, adults. Because the goal is to prepare my child to be a productive citizen and a productive adult, so the the earlier I can begin that process um, where, where appropriate, I think the better. So that way, she. Like I said, it has an advantage in the game of life because I want my child to win. So it did- Win was, initiative. That's a fact. There there was never any goo goo really with my daughter. Like i talked talk to her like I would talk to any adult because I want her to have those linguistic capabilities as she grows up. Like as I'm looking at her, I'm like, wow, sometimes she has better grammar than me when she's speaking. But that's because like I'm on her like when she speaks something improperly, so. For me as a parent, um, I just think it's about like always wanting the best for your child um, and always just being um, just kind of like that, that, that humble, helpful sort of like coach from the sidelines. At the end of the day, they're the person who has to get out there and play the game. Sherman, I find it very hard to
0: believe that your baby can speak better English than you because you are very articulate.
4: that's <laughs> <laughs> I, I try. I her, try. Her vocabulary is going
0: to be off the chain. I,
4: I try. I try to make sure that. And, and that's something that's like really important to me, because one thing that I've always preached to the young people who I work with um, and I challenge them and I challenge anybody who's listening right now, try to think without words like you can't because you think and and words. So one of, um, my, one of my mentors uh, told me once, like if you change your words, you change your life. Because if you change like your words, you're changing your thought pattern and changing the way that you're thinking. Um, and so if you think, therefore you are. So once you start changing your words and changing the way that you think, um, you can begin to change your life and change the lives of those uh, around you. So I definitely think um, words are more powerful uh, than we give them credit for. When, when, you, when your child is in school, they can compete in, in a spelling bee, right? They're asking you to spell something, and if you think about witchcraft, we ain't gonna go there, but they're putting a spell on somebody, right? So you're using your words. Words are very powerful. Um, we, we need to give them um, more credit than what we do, especially when we're talking to our children. I
0: didn't know I was gonna get the philosophical Sherman today.
4: <laughs> <laughs> mm, <I'm taking>
0: <laughs> Answan, I gotta bring you in. Uh, you are a hardworking, handsome young man and ladies. I'm sorry he's married, so don't be trying to reach out and get his contact information. Um, but you, you you're not a dad yet. Right. And, um, we're right. going to speak that into existence one day, not too uh, soon. Not too I mean, soon. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> but uh, as you sit around this, this table and you, you're listening to the conversation and just being in some of the spaces that you've been in with other dads, how do you how do you how do you feel about, you know, potentially one day becoming a father? What are your thoughts?
1: Uh. You know, personally, so so I'm not ready to be a dad right now, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> but I'm excited, uh, you know, especially being around a lot of the guys like Eric and Sherman and Tommy. You know, because I think that it's it's empowering me. I feel like I'm I'm building my capacity to be that father that I didn't have. Uh, and you know, early on, you know, uh, just going back to the first group that I attended. Uh, you know what I learned and and, and I was initially when I came Tommy invited me I'm like why am I here I'm not a dad you know why (laughs) why did you invite me Uh, but after after coming you know one or two times I I learned so much not only about my own relationship um, but then my relationship with my father uh, which was really fractured and you know just hearing different words like uh, being abandoned and rejected and stuff like you know men never talk like that around me and personally it made me uncomfortable to say like i was i was rejected right like usually men don't use those kind of words at least not you know openly right we usually talk about sports or something um but i found it uh really uplifting um and it really helped me deal with some of my own issues from the past uh but so long story short again i I feel as though i'm I'm learning a lot you know prior to going into fatherhood that that's going to make me a better dad